Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Welcome to Divinely Committed in our generation to generation four. We call it Divinely Committed because we would scarcely make it without God. We need divine intervention. We need divine order. And we need divine direction. Marriage and the family is the first and probably one of the most important human institutions that God placed in the earth. It was the first And because God has placed such great value on that, we have to understand that there is an enemy that seeks to destroy it. We live in a world that has placed so much value on uncommitment. So as the church, we need to place the value back in the right place, in that divine order. We live in a fallen world. We live in an imperfect world, and so By default, the lives that we lead will be imperfect. We have a perfect God, but we live in an imperfect world. And so we're not of the world, but nevertheless, we're in the world. And we are forced to live this life in an imperfect state. Hardship, grief, loss, disappointment, And circumstances beyond our control are absolutely inevitable. Rain will fall and it will hit the unjust as well as the just and we will absolutely face adversity. We will face adversity in our marriages because by and large, the odds, statistics are stacked against us. But we are here today to seek to defy the odds. We are here today to seek to debunk the myths, to debunk the statistics that are in our world. And so if we want success, and we do, the first thing we need to do is we need to find successful people. Brother Boyd has already mentioned it this morning, but the Old Testament is written for his in samples or examples for us to look at and follow. There's warning there. There's instruction there. And so I believe that today we need to find positive examples of godly marriages and I believe that we have that sitting before us this morning. Brother Danny and Sister Jane Newburn have been married for 51 years. They are to my left. Brother Wayne and Sister Judy Davis have been married for 43 years. And our pastor, Steve A. Boyd and Sister Jacqueline Boyd have been married for 36 years and have pastored here for 29. 
Collectively, they have been married a total of 103 years. <laughs> I thought about that last night. So what a great opportunity we have sitting before us, seasoned saints, at all different stages of life and different stages of the ministry. We certainly have a diverse panel, and we have that for a reason. Our panel participants are all, like I've already said, in different stages of life and different positions in the kingdom of God, yet there is a common thread that is woven throughout. All of them are no stranger to adversity, but all of them stand today as a testament that we can make it, and with God's help, we can do it. So we'll begin our forum questions this morning. There are four total. The first three are congruent upon each other. And we'll begin with Brother Danny and Sister Jane Newburn. Brother Sister Newburn, we just want to ask you this morning, what are some things that you have faced in your marriage and in your walk with God that you could not have anticipated? How have you been able to navigate around these and through these in these issues? And how has God proven himself to you during these seasons of your life and in your marriage? The first issue that I faced personally was I was raised in this church and my whole family was against it. So I mean my whole family. My mom was the only one that ever said, if I'm ever anything, that's what I will be. She didn't make it hard for me at all. But, you know, they talk about your hair, the way you're dressing, because you don't do this and that anymore. So it's, you just got to be strong enough. You got to be strong enough to stand. And when I came to this church, you get something that helps you to be strong enough to stand. Even as a child, I always had, I hadn't always been holy, don't get me wrong, but I've always had a God consciousness. Even preschool, I had questions about God and always loved going to church, didn't miss a service. Morning, night, Wednesday night, I was there. But um, anyway, I know, I came out here, when I started dating Danny, we came out here, I was 14 years old. And we had a service in the old, old church. And what I can remember is what touched me first that gave me a glimpse of what it was. Sister Nita Mae Ward, many of you know her. They had testimony service that morning. And when she got through, ooh, I get chills now even thinking about it. But I experienced something that I had never felt before. And I said, this is it. So... I just think that's one reason that Danny and I were together because he was my connection to the church and he didn't know it. I mean, he sure wasn't living with the Lord then. But uh, it, it was God. <laughs> they laughed at you. <laughs> but it all turned out well. <laughs> and we hadn't looked back since we got in the church. I can truthfully say that. Uh, never one time have we blamed God with anything that we've had to go through. It's never God's fault. It's that enemy that's fighting for our soul. The other hurdle that we've had to go through together 
which um, our children were raised in this church. This is all they know. They've been baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, but neither one are serving the Lord. And we've had many things to face with them, even to this day. Um, everything from divorces, traffic citations, in jail, uh, drugs, alcohol. It's a constant battle. But I know that they've got in them what I had in me as early. They will never be nothing else. Never. They may not make it, but they will die knowing the truth. And I thank God for that. I thank God that he has been buried in his name. And that is a, a real a real treasure, the only treasure on this earth. Tell me again how much I'm making. We'll talk about that afterwards. <laughs> February of 71, over in the little block church, David Beck was preaching. Brother David Beck was preaching. I don't know if anybody ever here remembers him. He could preach it hot. <laughs> he could preach it hot. And that's the day we went to the altar. And uh, I just remember that day. I uh, I made up my mind that day. I've always been pretty good about being able to make up my mind something. That I'm hard-headed, so uh, that's good. It's bad, but that's what I am. I'm hard-headed. So I made up my mind that day. That's it. I'm going. I, I don't recall ever entertaining the idea of going back. I got the girl I wanted, so I ain't never entertained her leaving. <laughs> Course, Papa, he used to say if Big Mama left and she packed her bag, she could pack his too. That's the way I felt like. Wherever she went, I was going. <laughs> so them problems never had no problem with those. So uh, the Bible said a man's few days here full of trouble and then pass on. So it sounds like you're going to have a lot of things to work on. Problems, problems, problems. And when you come to the altar and decide to live for God, it looks to me like the God has helped you solve the worst problem that you could ever have. Yeah. Because I've always, ever since you hear something about church, you know that if you don't live right, there's a lake of fire for you, and that'd be about the worst punishment I could see. So when you come to the altar, that problem is solved. <laughs> that one's out of the way. So uh, all through life, then, he helps you. If you'll look to him, God will help you. And uh, a lot of people's got a different, uh, everybody's got a different idea about help. Somebody's got to be doing something before you can help them. And that's the way God is. You start first and then he'll help you. Right. Now he can do it for you, but that ain't helping somebody. That's right. doing it. Right. That's the way most people are now that I help. They uh, won't help, but they're not doing anything. <laughs> so if I help them, they got to be doing something first. And that's the way God is. He'll help you do anything. My daily life, as I go through life, I, I trust God. I, I, I depend on him for a lot of things. I'm all the time tinkering around trying to fix things. And I always ask God. I was told that just when you're trying to learn how to pray, just talk to him like he's your partner next door. So that's what I do a lot of times. And he always helps me. He always helps me. 
but I got to do something first. He don't fix it while I'm sitting in the house. Uh, and Jane has already mentioned it. When God, when uh, when you come to the altar, you get a target on your back, and the devil's going to come at you. He's going to find out. He's going to try you in the fire. He's going to find out what you're made out of. He's going to find out what you're made out of. And the two of the things that I realize is a, will hurt you the most is either your health or your spouse's health or your kids. And so that's the way he comes at you. And uh, our youngest son, we've had uh, everybody, because like I say, if you think you know all about your kids, you're fooling yourself. Everybody in the community knows more about them than you do. Take that for the bank. But uh, God has attacked us through him. And, but I, I will say, and of course, how many times have we asked ourselves, what in the world? How did we go wrong? <laughs> how did we go wrong? How do you fight something like that? It's a... Uh, you think he can't do it? But you don't have no choice. You don't have no choice. But if it wasn't for God, he wouldn't even be here now. Oh. I truly believe that. I, I, of course, I ain't going to try to tell you all the things I know that he's been escaped. Uh, but God's been there. And all I can do is keep looking to Jesus. But that don't affect me living for God. I'm going to keep on because... <laughs> You've got the best help you can have, whatever you do. And I don't see no... Uh, I don't see no reason to try any other help. Uh, everything else is great. I love my life. I love everything about my life. You just, like I say, God's going to try you in a fire. It's up to you. you got to... Overcome. Praise the Lord. Brother and Sister Davis, what are some of the things that you faced in your marriage together and in your walk with God together that has maybe been something that you haven't anticipated? How did God prove himself through that and how were you able to navigate around those issues in your marriage and in your life? Well, there's a couple of things I want to talk about a little bit. Most of you here know about my middle son, David. <laughs> my middle son, David, well, first of all, we are a blended family. We had... I had children, he had children. And that's not an easy thing to work through. It's hard enough with your own children sometimes to work through all those things. 
But with blended families, it's very hard. And David's been missing. He went missing in 1995 in Arkansas. We haven't heard anything about any of that stuff. But I know that God has kept us, kept me from going crazy. And I love the Lord. And I want, there's one more thing back. In the 80s, I had to have major surgery. And before that, of course, we had been uh, always bickered about kids or finances or anything that would come along. We always seemed to be bickered about it. And I had to, <laughs> I had to have surgery. And after the surgery, we didn't know this till the next day, that anesthesiologist come in and told us, said that she told, told us, says, you almost died on the operating table. He said, you had a severe asthma attack, and you almost didn't make it. He said, you scared all of us. And so, finally I got to go home and begin to realize that all this other stuff that had been going on wasn't quite as important as us being there together to see it through. The Lord is so good to us. You never know what you're going to, it's going to come at you at some time or another. And I'm sorry I'm having a hard time breathing, but in my illness, since I've been sick, he's been a godsend. He's took care of me so very good. In sickness and in health, he's doing his part. <laughs> And I'm receiving the end of it. <laughs> sickness in and health. I'm the sickness and he's helping me. <laughs> but I don't know of anything else to say. She's giving it to somebody that does. <laughs> he don't seem to ever shut up. <laughs> Like my wife said, we're both on the rebound. We were both married before, and and uh, God saw fit down the road to uh, bring us together. Um, she lived in Arkansas, never knew her, never knew nothing about her. I had been divorced about two years, year and a half, two years. She had been married, divorced about three, and she was going to church where my brother went in Arkansas, Nashville, Arkansas. And... Uh, he sent me a card for my birthday in June of 74. He said, you're coming on vacation up here? He said, come by. There's a lady up here in the church you need to meet. He said, uh, just ideal for what you need. Only one thing wrong with her. She got three kids. How about died? I said, oh, no, I don't want that. Uh, that's scary. So anyway, I got my daughter and... Uh, we went and we went through there and on our vacation in July '74, and we went through there. And, uh, and uh, when I got to town, <clears throat> my sister-in-law called her and told her he's in town. So they was all looking for me Wednesday night when I went to church with her, and uh, I knew there was three Judies in the church, and she was a Judy, and then she was a Judy Lamb then, and uh, then she's uh, another Judy, and a Judy Shrakeyes was the pastor's wife. Well, I knew all that was. But I didn't know what she looked like, and uh, finally I met her, and 
we kind of got together and on and on. She couldn't get rid of me that night, she didn't think. But I've been around. But anyway, we got married in, in December of 1974. And uh, she'd been praying about a year for a husband. So she told me that her pastor had come to her in January. said, you need some help. So I was the help, I suppose. <laughs> anyway, we got married in uh, December of 74 and, and went on strike while I was working. And it was to April before she could move to Florida. So she said, hang on to that little job you got because I'm not working. So we was on strike, and then we come out of strike. I went and got her in April in 75. I worked in Citrus and, uh, since that time until I retired in 05 in Citrus. And uh, 1989, I was working in uh, working night shift. And I came home and went to work one afternoon, and they uh, fired me. Fired me for stealing pallets, like those pallets standing up over there, grocery pallets. And... Uh, I was running a production line of a can line packaging. And they come in and said, you stole some pallets. The pallets weren't supposed to be used. And I'd been asking for a week, you know, you need to get some pallets repaired so we have something to put a product on. Well, I wasn't the guy was supposed to be in the job that this guy was over me. So he just kind of ignored it. And then the next thing you know, he forced me to that. And anyway, they fired me for it. And I had to go home then and tell my wife. 48 years old. That's 20 days from being 48 years old. And I went in and I just sat down in my chair and told her I got fired. What am I going to do? And I started crying. She came over to me and got in my lap, sat down, put her arms around my neck. Said, don't worry. Everything will be all right. Well, I wasn't going to church. Hmm, no. She'd go every day. Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. You count on your hands the five times, the time she's missed. But anyway, she didn't miss. But I wouldn't go. I was just, uh, Sunday morning, I'd get out and go hang around with people out there, doing this and that. So she said everything's going to be all right. Well, we went and bought a hot shot. Went on the road for about six months. And I was hired back to where I was, I got fired from and went back to work. And I uh, went back to work, worked myself up to assistant manager, fruit processing. So everything was good. We're doing good. And she come in to me one day, she said, you're on the prayer list at the church, top of the list. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, the things just kind of, kind of added on, you know, and, wasn't comfortable, and you go out and you get to seeing these people, and you say, why am I hanging around these folks right here? They're in the same boat I'm in. They're lost. They don't know what to do. They didn't got nowhere to go. And uh, I said, well, that's just the most uncomfortable person you can be is a person that's on the edge trying to get over and don't know how to get over there and wants to but don't want to. And anyway, I knew what to do because I'd stumbled over her many of the night in the house over that ottoman praying. When I get up where she's at in the bed, she's not there. She's in there praying, probably for me, mostly for me, I'm sure. But anyway, um, finally one day I says to her in the early, uh, mid-90s, I guess it was, I said, uh, if you'll get me some clothes to wear, I'll go to church with you. 
Like I've said many times, I ain't saying she ran into the closet and got me something, but she was eager for me to go. And from that point on, uh, I kept on, and a little boy, four years old, five, I think his name, Austin Reed, he says, my daddy's going to be preaching next Sunday, Brother Davis, if you'd come. I think, well, how do you tell a little four-year-old boy I ain't coming? Okay, I'll be there. So I went, and they don't know, but for whatever reason, um, whatever he preached on, I don't even remember. Uh, but I went to the altar, and I told God I was sorry, and I apologized, and I repented, and I told him everything I could think of. And I got up, and I said, I, I, now's the time I'm supposed to receive the Holy Ghost. Well, it didn't. And it went on one day, and the next day, and the next month, and on and on. And I asked my wife, I said, why? What's wrong? Why can't I receive the Holy Ghost? And she said, it's a gift. You can't earn it. It's a gift. God gives it to you. So I kept going and kept praying, and we had a revival one time. My brother Grimsley in Haines City came over, and he was preaching a revival. And I felt, it went, we went every night, and, uh, and uh, he says to me, the last service, as we all lined up around the church, and he said, if you need anything from God, get over here, you can get it tonight. And I got in line, and I went around there, and, and he said, you've had a good service this week, haven't you? I said, I have. And he said, you've been receiving the Holy, seeking the Holy Ghost, haven't you? And I said, yes, sir. He said, well, why don't you just get it? So he put his hand on my head, started praying, and I just throwed my arms up and started praising God and thanking Jesus for what he'd done for me. And he says, do you hear, to, turned around to the pastor, lift, Brother Lipham, and says, do you hear that? Well, I didn't hear nothing except what I was saying. And uh, all I know is I couldn't hear the music. I could hear it, but I didn't know what it was. Seemed like I was walking on cotton. I mean, stepping high, walking around. My ears is ringing. I was looking for my wife. I couldn't do anything. Everything was kind of a blur. But I felt relieved like I'd never felt before. God lifted that stuff off me. I thought, why? Because somewhere along the line, I had not, something I had not asked for forgiveness for, that he was waiting for me to give up. And I didn't know what it was. And finally, when I did, he gave me the Holy Ghost. And that was in March. March 15th, 1998. So that's how long it was. She was hounding me. <laughs> or wanting, trying to get me to go to church with her, and I didn't go. But we started going, and uh, my sweet little wife, and being what she is, on the way home from church that night, she says to me, what are you going to do about your ties? <laughs> uh, well, we couldn't mathematically afford them. I said, you know, um, I said, pay them, we're going to pay our ties. And whatever's left, we'll pay that is gone. And Lord, help us. We have not missed... A tithing or a bill or nothing. He took care of that. A retired people even. <laughs> so I'm thankful. God has blessed us and taken care of us. And the only thing we anchor back to is her faithfulness. Never did waver all those years. All those troubles she was going through. She was mentioned a while ago about David. She didn't waver. And we're so thankful that God has blessed us taking care of us. And it's there for you if you want it. Praise the Lord. It's proof positive that if you'll seek after God, no matter what we go through, the Lord is always there just to, to help us through it. It might not feel good, 
but God can take us through every obstacle, over every mountain, and through every valley. Thankful for the examples that we have. Brother and Sister Boyd, I want to ask you the same thing. What are some things that you've faced in your marriage and walk with God that you could not have anticipated? How have you navigated around and through those issues? And how has God proven himself to you through those times? One of the very first obstacles that we faced not long after we were married was my father went to federal prison. It was very embarrassing at the time, but I loved my dad, so it's not private. It was in all the papers and those kind of things, so I'm not divulging anything that wasn't my family doesn't know. We just didn't talk about it a lot. But the pressure that was put on our marriage during that time, I hadn't intended to say this, but I felt like I should. It hasn't always been easy for me. Growing up, it was very... Um, our family life was terrible. And again, that's not a secret. And so I had purposed in my mind that I would never go through what my mother went through and I would not marry a man like my dad. And although I still love my dad, I didn't want to marry a man like my dad. I say that respectfully. So I did get married and the very first thing was when right after we were married, my dad was um, a fugitive actually. And... Um, so that was very stressful because you had to watch what you said, who you said to, you know, and what you talked about, what you didn't talk about. But when he did finally get arrested, it, then there was the pressure of visiting him everywhere he was. He was in Miami. He was in um, Eglin Air Force Base. He finally ended up there. So there was a lot of pressure on us to um, go to the court, see the lawyer, um, just try to face it, and it put financial strain on us that we had no idea that was going to happen to us. But we were in church, and we both loved each other, and that's the, one of the key things. He was very understanding. He understood my hurt and my pain through that, and I think because he was so kind to me about things and to my family, that's how we got through it was through the grace of God because it was, I'm not kidding you when I tell you a strain on our marriage. It was very much a strain. Then my husband had an accident not long after that and almost died. And that was another financial strain on us. We both worked. We didn't live frivolous, frivolously. We paid our tithes. We went to church. We were doing the right things, but God is no respecter of persons. So... That was something we had to go through with his job. He was without work for um, six months, seven months. And um, we didn't get, like, from the insurance, his, he was on his way to work at 4.30 in the morning. And they didn't pay his, his wages until, like, three, four months, something like that. And so I was working, working two jobs and trying to look after my husband and thank God for my mother-in-law, Betty Jean and Carl, because they helped me so much. And they didn't have a lot, but they shared with us, and God somehow made everything work. But during that time, working, going to church, doing all the right things, still those things came against us. So again, there was another strain on our marriage. And then, I mean, the bills were still coming in. Our lights got turned off. Um, we didn't tell anyone. We never told anyone, and we still don't. 
haven't through all the years of our marriage. We never told anybody anything that was going bad like that. We figured we would, we're grown, we'll deal with it. We actually raised a son the same way, by the way. <laughs> they deal with it. It's just the way it is. And so we had candlelight dinner <laughs> when we would have dinner. And somehow through that, because I never told, my mother found out somehow, and she um, called me and said, I want to pay your light bill. I was so embarrassed. You know, we're grown kids, but it was not a fault of our own. So even though you're doing all the right things, like Brother Danny and Sister Jane, you still face adversity and mountains and, and storms that come in your life. So it was a very, very trying time in our life that um, God, he blessed us even through that. We never missed a meal. We did get behind on our bills, but when we got our, um, his paycheck back in, came in, we, we made everything right. We thank God we didn't have to, you know, file bankruptcy and that kind of thing. But I'm just saying it was there. It could have happened. But through all that, God kept us together. We stayed faithful to God, and God was faithful to us. It wasn't, you know, a bed of roses, but, and I can't say that I handled everything gracefully, and, but I do know this, that because we were faithful to God, faithful in our ties, faithful to our pastor, those things were there, but they didn't destroy us as a, as a couple. Right after we came here, you know that I got sick. This is the third obstacle that is major in my life. These were the three major things. I had wanted more children, and I couldn't have children. I'm so thankful for the one that I had. But I had lost two babies, and in that second baby is when they found out I had lupus. I had been sick before, but nobody really knew what lupus was. I didn't. I had no clue what it was. I, I soon found out. But I think God placed me here at this particular church at that particular time in my life because the ladies and the, the families here literally pulled us through that. When I was facing the liver problem, the church family here went on a fast. And they told me I had maybe a matter of weeks, months to live if my liver didn't, I guess the lupus stopped attacking it, if it didn't stop attacking it. And the ladies here, I don't know if y'all remember this, but they went on a fast, and I think it was a week fast is all the time we had. But they went on a fast for me, and when I went back, they could find nothing wrong with my liver. That was a miracle. It was a miracle. So I really, you know, at first I, it fretted me so bad and worried me because I felt like the church needed me. And here I was not knowing that I was going to need them so desperately. So God placed us all together. It wasn't just that they needed me, I needed them. And it, and it worked. And I guess I could just say that any mountain that you face or any storm that you face, if you can focus, I didn't want to focus everything that was on me. I still tried to keep that under wraps because there were so many needs, and there are today in this church. There's so many needs, and I feel that are worse, worse than the need I have or worse than the sickness I have that you all have faced some horrible things in the past years. But I see the steadfastness in you, the faithfulness in you, the love, the compassion. I see that it's made us all stronger. I've had the, some of the greatest compliments from some of our pastor friends and some of our friends that just outside of church and family is that this church seems more like a family than just a church. And that always makes me smile because I feel that way. And I think because of the needs and the, the trials and the storms that we go through and we pull together because when one hurts here, we all hurt. I've seen this church family pull through unbelievable obstacles and help each other, and it's been amazing. And I think that's one reason we're so blessed. 
because we pull together and we're not perfect. I'm not going to sit here and say we're all perfect, but we do try hard. So I thank God for placing me here, even though I felt like I was letting everybody down. You know, being sick, I had to miss functions. I had to, you know, our whole life altered. I had to look at everything differently. I couldn't always go when Brother Boyd left on a trip. I couldn't always go. I was sick, and I hated that, but it was true. It just was the way it was. So I didn't anticipate that in my life. I didn't anticipate my dad's problems, and I didn't anticipate that I would almost lose my husband. And I didn't anticipate that God would bless me so much through all that. But he did. And I am forever grateful. I have no complaints. I am blessed beyond measure. I do not focus on the negative. I try to focus on the positive, all that's right and not what's wrong. Because there's far more right than not. And so I feel beyond blessed. And I feel beyond blessed for this church family and the people God placed in my life. How we have navigated through some of the circumstances and issues is the second part of the question. And uh, I believe that even in the midst of our greatest storms, that God has used many different um, ways of ministering to us. And um, I, I certainly I think we all understand that we, we represent on this platform today not just ourselves, but many circumstances that are present in our church body and in these families. But I think even in the midst of the greatest storms that God has spoken to us in many ways, um, whether that was a direct word from the Lord uh, or, or times that God has even given each of us dreams or visions and, and affirmed his promises in our life. And... Um, for the most part, I think that um, we don't share a lot of those things publicly. I think that sometimes God deals with us in a way that's just specific to us. It's for us, and, and it's probably not for public consumption to some degree. But I think they're personal reminders of God's grace and how that he is truly sufficient and that he can and will see us through. He said to the Apostle Paul, and to many others from that time until now, that his grace is sufficient. And we have found his grace to be sufficient. God has used specific individuals to speak direct words of encouragement and direction to our lives. Now, we don't go seeking for that. I think that's important to understand. That we don't go to every function that we attend trying to get a word from the Lord. The Lord will speak to you and speaks to us as he sees fit. And uh, we receive direction from his word, from the word of God, whether that is preached, taught, or whether it's something that we study in our own time. And so what we have done is held on to those words and held on to those seasons. And it's not always easy because sometimes God speaks to us in, in seasons and it's a pretty emotional thing. And we feel like we're never going to forget this. We're going to, this is kind of branded in our heart forever. But you get a few days removed from that, and the emotion is not there. And, uh, and those surrounding us that, that were surrounding us at that time were not there. And so a little bit more difficult to hold on to. And uh, I think it's important to keep yourself, and as we have, tried always to keep ourselves exposed uh, to the Word of God and venues that, 
bring to us the word of God, whether that's church services or whatever it may be. Now, I'll say this and, and wrap up this particular thing. I think there is a tendency within all of us to withdraw in difficult times. And we can withdraw not only from the Lord, but we can draw, withdraw from one another. And that's the worst thing we could ever do. We need to let uh, difficult times bring us together and pull us together. And I'm thankful for that. How has God proven himself to me? Is This is the best part. Not only has he proven through his word the faithfulness of him, but when I first found out, I'm going to go back to that for just a little bit. I don't want to focus on that because I'm more than the lupus thing. It's there, but it's there. You know, that's just part of who I am. It's part of who y'all are, each, each mountain that we face. But I want to go back because this is important. I don't talk about this very often. I'm not sure if I've ever even said this, even, you know, in conversations to other people. It's, um, I was always very weak. I tried to hide that from the church family as much as possible. I think they knew you know, but I was so weak that I couldn't hardly raise my arms to do anything. I couldn't hardly fix my hair. I couldn't hardly get dressed. Um, there were just times it was just horrible, and I tried to hide that. My one goal, especially, was when my son got home from school. He was in first grade, and when he come home from school, this was important to me because God gave me that child, and and so I purposed in my heart I would set my alarm because I would have to lay down. I could do a little, and then I'd have to lay down. I'd do a little, and I'd have to lay down. And this is when the flare was. So after the flare, I got better. But at this particular time, I set my clock, and I would set it before his bus would get home every day. And I would set that so that I could be up, and I could be dressed, and my hair could be okay, and I would be ready for that boy to come in the the door. I did not want him to see how sick I was, number one. Number two, I wanted him to have a a normal kid's life. That was important to me. And I felt like God had given him to me that it was my responsibility to see that. So in going back to this, I won't go into all the details, but I began to pray for the Lord to let me live long enough. And if I cry, that's okay, because this is a, it's a happy cry. I, I began to ask God to just let me live because the doctor said, your life will be shortened. So I said, okay. God knows I'm here not one day longer or one day shorter than God wants me here, and I got that. So I didn't focus on the leaving part. What I focused on was the time that I had here. I had a lot to do, maybe in a short time and maybe not. But I purposed that I myself was going to be up and ready for that child. So I started praying, God, would you let me live long enough to raise my boy? Because he means the world to me, you know that still. But I knew nobody would pray for him the way his mother would. Nobody could love him. His daddy loves him. I don't mean to take away, but nobody will love that boy like his mother loves him. And I thought, God, I don't want somebody else to, to raise my child. You know, I don't want anybody. There was lots of ladies in here, of course, Atlanta. He's always wanted to, me to be Atlanta. So I'm pretty sure he would have been okay, Atlanta. <laughs> you know, but in my heart, I kept saying, God, you gave me this child and just let me live to see him graduate because by then he will be old enough he could make it on his own if he had to. So that was my goal. And so that was in 2003 that he graduated, first grade to graduation. And so now I, I call this, in God's blessing and showing me what he did for me, 
was I'm living on bonus time. He gave me more than what I asked for. I want now I have a new prayer. I want to grow older. <laughs> I want to grow older. But I have I can't complain. I asked him for that one thing and he gave me so much more. I have a church full of kids that oh, oh my gosh, or mine. I love so desperately. And I just want to say this, I don't care. I can never thank God enough for that ever. I don't care what mountain you face. I don't care what obstacle is placed in your way, not even a storm that you go through. If you can keep your focus on God and what is right and all the blessings instead of things that are going wrong, I think that you can climb any mountain and you see that you yourself are more than any mountain or storm. Am I good? Any mountain or any storm that you would face, you are more than that. You are stronger than that. You can overcome it. You can do that by staying faithful to God and prayer and focusing on the good and the right and not all the bad. Amen. Amen. This is proof that no matter where we find ourselves and no matter what we go through, whether we're facing obstacles or everything is seemingly okay we all have a purpose and that speaks to that directly that we all have a purpose here we've heard that this morning in our first session and so no matter where we find ourselves we have to understand that God has placed a purpose in us and it is up to us to bring that to fruition he's given the promise now it's up to us to live unto that promise and I'm thankful for the examples that set before us today that have done so and continue to do so on a daily basis. We will wrap this up with one more question to each couple. And I want to start again with Brother and Sister Newburn. What advice would you give to other couples that would face similar circumstances that you have faced in your life and your marriage and walk with God? What advice would you give to them as a final remark to the crowd of people today that are that are here to hear what we need to do to, to be what God has called us to be. The most important thing that you can ever do is stay faithful to the church and to God. That is the most, because whatever you're facing in life, this is the hub of it all and without it you have nothing and with our two kids they know the truth and we have got to stand true because they're watching us Amen. they are watching everything you do everything so it's important to hold on and we've never let the devil come between us because of this because we try to pray through it and work through this together but hopefully one day we will see our kids in church. I mean, I'm still believing and trusting in that. Um, you just spend as much time and compassion and love and joy with your children because you never know. I mean, even though you raise them in the church, our kids are facing so many things now that we never even went through at all. And uh, they have to have a strong, united couple believing in their parents and believing that we are praying for them and so just 
Put God first in everything you do because if they never come to the Lord, it's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. So I'm just trusting that uh, God will help us continue through it. So Suck it up. Don't be a pansy. <laughs> Face them head on. You go, you, the Bible already says we're going to win her. If you don't hit, hit it head on, you'll lose. What more can you say? Turn his microphone off. He's done. He's done. No, thank you. Thank you for that. We appreciate it. Brother Davis, Sister Davis, what advice would you have for couples, maybe young couples that are possibly could face the same circumstances or similar circumstances? Well, I'm like Sister Jane. My three kids, like I said, we was in a blended marriage, and he had one, I had three. And guess whose three was always the mess up? Mine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, David was in jail, in prison, and all those things, and then he went missing. And my youngest son, he's had his chair of woes. And my daughter, she's not, she's not doing good. She does what she wants to, not what she knows to do. But I know that through all of this that God has given us more strength to face all these things. Without God, you can't, you couldn't do it. I don't know of, I don't know how anybody could face things without the Lord in their lives. He's been so good to us. So good to us. Three stepkids is um, tough for anybody, you know. And there's nothing wrong with the kids as much as it was wrong with the stepdaddy. I've never been a stepdaddy before. But you go in and you try to treat them as you would all of the kids, but the kids know that you're not my daddy, you know. If they know that, you know, that's how they feel. But I never did have that from them. They never did bow up at me about it. Of course, one of the boys went to sleep with a ball bat by his bed by night, but I think that was for me, but I just didn't go in the room, that's all. <laughs> but it, that was just one of the, one incident. But for the most part, we get along. I get along with my, with my stepkids, and um, they do. They, they respect me. They do this, and, and I respect them. But like Mama said, she, they don't. Uh, they've heard, and they know to do, but they won't do they come to church, and when the, when the Holy Ghost starts dealing, they may leave the room, or they may start picking at somebody or talking to somebody to keep the Holy Ghost from getting on them. That's what they do. They divert no more than I did when I'd go. You know, I went to Baptist church, and why did I go? They're the only ones that invited me. I guess that's all I can say about that. But I didn't know anything about anything, how you're supposed to react. 
I asked Judy to go to church with me a couple of times, and, and uh, she said, well, I just can't go to that church or those churches. Why? It's so dry. Well, I didn't know what she was talking about. But she's right. It was, it was dry. I went to a funeral one time. If you didn't know the guy, you didn't know who was in the casket. They never mentioned him. That's a true story. <laughs> didn't know who he was unless I, I didn't know him, but that's all. But my daughter, you know, she's, she does and she tries to do. But here again, they're Baptist. And uh, they try to do, but God's in control. I pray, I give them a testimony. I give them our testimony, and they know it. And, uh, but we just praying that the Lord will touch their heart and open their eyes, their spiritual eyes, and let them see. Read your Bible, which they don't do. I know they don't. But if you read your Bible, it's in there. And uh, like they told me, I'm talking about my, my wife here and my brother. When I first talked about, I didn't know what a one this church was. That's what they called them, but I didn't know what that was. But what made them different, I don't know. But now I can see because my eyes have been opened. And I can see and understand. Why did I see it? I read it, but I didn't have an old foggy idea what I was reading. When you read about Acts 2.38, what are you talking about? I didn't know because I didn't have enough knowledge about God to even know. But I knew there was something dealing with me. And when he got a hold of me, if you're dealing with anything, he'll get a hold of you. And you, you answer to him, not to somebody else and ask him, what should I do? Don't ask them because they're in the same boat you are. You ask God and let him deal with it. That's what I say. If you face a problem, pray about it. Pray about it. And pray where you ever have to pray. For the front seat of your car going down the road, whatever you're doing, do that. God loves you. We love you. We love this church. Brother Sister Boyd, what, what uh, advice would you have for couples that may face those things? The best advice I could give you as a couple is to communicate, number one. Um, no matter what mountain that you're facing, I'm sorry, I don't know what's going on. No matter what mountain that you're facing, you can go through it together if you communicate, you respect each other, you love each other, and truly have compassion for one another. I would say to another couple, if it's your children that you're going through, like you said here, don't let your children play you against the other. You need to communicate, and you know you can't be their best friend and their parents sometimes. So I would say to a couple that's facing problems with their children, you have to stay connected on that. I would say another thing, I want to make sure that you appreciate each other. That would be important to me. And then laugh a lot. And sometimes cry together, but mostly laugh a lot. And celebrate the milestones. Give yourself a little leeway. So I think communication, loving, trusting, being faithful, understanding, and compassion all rolled into one. It, it goes without saying that we can't anticipate the storms of life. There's no way to know that. But we can know the master of the storm. And so if we know him up front, then no matter what we face, then we will, we will have that grounding rod that we need to sustain us. And uh, I think the, 
it, it is so important to make the, the best of the moments that you're in. My wife referred to uh, a little bit ago when our, our electric had been turned off and uh, I, had just started, I had just started back to work and during the time that I had been sick, she had been paying all the bills and, and that had all just fallen on her. I was just trying to get better. And so I didn't, I didn't realize what was going on. And I, I came home and we're having dinner by candlelight. And, uh, you know, that sounds real romantic, but it wasn't a real romantic season of our life. <laughs> we were losing everything we had. And, uh, and so I, I saw some qualities in her early on of making the best of those moments. And uh, so I think that you, you certainly can't just laugh your way through every situation. We're not suggesting that. But I do think that laughter should be a part of your home and your marriage, and and uh, sometimes we just kind of find ourselves entertaining one another, and uh, you know that we should we should understand the value of being with our 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 friends that we are friends, and uh, that is a, a very very important thing. And I'm thankful for everything that's been said. But if I could just summarize it all by saying this that that we have to have a relationship with the church. We have to have a relationship with God. We have to have a relationship with one another. Those things are going to pull us together, and they're going to pull us through. Um, for one thing, we know the, the strength that's going to come from the Word of God, and we know the strength that's going to come from the body of Christ because we have more than one shoulder to lean on. And having that network of people we find and understand, even through the course of today, perhaps, uh, lessons learned that you didn't have any idea of some people to walk down some of the paths they walked and so that's the wonderful thing that we see in the kingdom of God not just the local church but the kingdom of God at large and uh, understand this that they have been given to us for in samples and so others before us have walked and they're not just hidden within the pages of the Bible but they're in the pages of history and more importantly some of them are sitting in this room today real heroes that have walked the walk, and they have, they have, they have stood the test of time. Not without bruises and not without scars, but they have stood the test of time. And we do not walk alone. Whatever you are facing, whatever your companion is facing, we go through those things together as a unit. And uh, I'm thankful for this opportunity. Thankful for this venue, and I'm glad to be a part of it. God bless you. Let's stand together. Now, I have felt over the last few days to do something here. So if I could get our married couples and families to come down first, we want to pray. And I want these people to pray over us. I believe that something can be transferred in this moment. I believe that God can solidify some stuff in our hearts if our families will come. If you're perhaps here and your spouse is not here because of sickness or something like that, please don't make that uh, be an obstacle for you, but please come down front. After they have made their way, our single, uh, maybe young people, because you're going to face obstacles like this. You're going to get married one day, and you're going to face things in life if the Lord tarries. And so I want you to come, and I want these people to pray over us because we want, we want people that have, have been successful in life to, to give us direction, but I believe that the power of prayer right now, God can touch us and anoint us together, and we can solidify something. It's something that was said this past weekend, and I want to reiterate it now. Strong churches.
come from strong families. And so when men and women stand in adversity and obstacles and are faithful to each other in God, it will build a strong church that we can reach the world with and that we can be a, a, a testament to this world that you can do it. You can be godly in this ungodly world and you can be, uh, you can be uh, faithful to God and to each other no matter what. And so why don't we lift our hands. If you can't lay your hands on someone, I just want you to reach your hands forward and pray. Let's pray. Thank you so much for taking the time today to be involved in this. We hope something that was said, something that was done today has been something that we can take from this house this afternoon, something that we can hold on to, something that will see us through no matter what we may face and what we may come across. I thank each and every one of you that were involved in this weekend that helped uh, make this weekend possible. We're certainly thankful for that. I think it was a success. I think that we can leave here knowing that God has been in this place and he's going to go with us no matter where we go. And I, I look forward to the next time we can do this together. Uh, we like your feedback. How do we like this, uh, this certain forum, this certain uh, way of doing things? Please don't be uh, bashful in telling us what you think about that because we always want to do better. We want to make it better. We want to make it attainable for everyone. Let's come back on Wednesday night. Let's expect God to meet us here and let his word be spoken. And let's go from this house today and let's take this gospel to a lost and dying world. We're dismissed in Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.